are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. Life, this Christian life, what a joy to serve Him. I really struggle with the message tonight because I, as I prayed, I, I hope I can explain to you, not that you're ignorant, it's I don't have the ability to express what I found in the Bible some years ago. And I've tried to preach from this text before, and I always back out because I know the communication problem is not you, it's me. It's spoken so powerfully in my life for so many years, and I've tried to live it, and I try to see it lived, and I try to help people live it, but I've never expressed it. And you probably know the thought already, but I didn't know the thought. I've not heard it preached before, and it's not that I'm so smart. I found something. I just happened to stumble on it because I didn't know what the text was talking about. And uh, in studying the Word of God and comparing Scripture with Scripture, for me, I saw something that was really powerful. On February the 8th, 1976, my wife and I came here for the first time. I preached in Sunday school, taught the Bible, Acts chapter 12, the miracle of the deliverance of Peter. God met with us in that morning, uh, that morning service. He just did in Sunday school. Then I thought I'd preach something I knew. I preached John 3.16, and the longer I've been saved now, I don't understand John 3.16. We had a small crowd. That night was 22 people, including nursery, but that morning was maybe about 50 people. This had never happened because I only preached three times in my life. I was an assistant pastor. When I preached that day, five people came forward, five adults. That morning service, it was the same weather that we had here today. February the 8th, 43 years ago, it was raining. I tell you, I was just so wound up. I was fired up. Foster and Pat Hansen got saved that day. They live on the East Coast, they're living for God. Became a bus captain. We came back that night and I matched my previous preaching experience by preaching the third time. And I preached from Ephesians 6 on the warfare and the armament of God. 20 people there, it was so small, I can remember I had a little, like a music stand. I came right down here and just preached to that little crowd that night. We had no choir. We were still many months away from beginning the choir. When we began, we began with five ladies and two men, George and Joe. That was our choir. That night, I could hardly sleep. I was so fired up about preaching. And I just loved it. And then on March 1st, when you said by a vote, you can come, I, I couldn't believe I would be pastoring this great church. There was one 
issue in my life, and God had prepared me for it, what I did not want to give up. I've never said this publicly. There was one thing I did not want to give up. And I struggled with it a little bit because I thought the honor of my life would be not to be the pastor, but to serve the pastor. My wife could tell you those days I worked for your dad, those were days that I could never explain. I was the janitor and music director and bus director. I'd go into his study, and he had a chair, just a, a chair like we have up here with the orchestra. He had that chair, and he had a garbage can, and it was old carpet, and a small office just filled with books. And I'd go in there every day and empty the garbage. At that chair where he would kneel and pray, and in that garbage can every day was Kleenex tissue. He'd be on his knees weeping for his people. You heard it when he preached. I can recall your dad weeping so much during preaching. I, I just... I, the church was so amazing. I loved my home church, nothing like it. That church had something, boy, the singing and the quartets and the choir and the shouts, and it's just so exciting. And I remember thinking, I really believe it's a thrill to serve somebody. I think it's the joy of a life to be able to say, I get to serve somebody, help somebody else achieve their goal. Tonight, I don't come to you on behalf of the Levites. What did the Levites do? Well, many passages, but Numbers 3, verse 8, 7, and 8, and 25, and 31, 32, and 33, tells you what the Levites did. They had no possession in the promised land. They worked. What they did, they carried staves. As the tent, the tabernacle moved from place to place, they carried all the equipment. They carried the sockets. They carried the pins. They carried the pillars. They carried the Ark of the Covenant. They carried the coverings of a canopy over everything they did. They carried things. They carried things. What a job. And they felt it was a wonderful thrill to carry things. Then they'd set up the temple or the tabernacle. They, they weren't the priest. They were Levites. They, got, they received no possession of land, all the other tribes, but not the, the tribe of Levi. They, they just carried things. All through the wilderness, we're moving. Take down the tent. Let's get moving. And they carried things. What a job. They loved it. Korah was one of those men. And he said, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my Lord than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. He said, how amiable, Psalm 84, are thy tabernacles. He said, this is, 
he said, oh, the sparrow has found a place. He goes, oh, if I could just live like, the, like, like these that nest up in, uh, up in, in, in these places in, the, in this, this church. I, I'll use the New Testament word church. He said, he said that's, that's the ultimate. But somewhere along the line, that Levite, he got crossways with Moses. And he said, Moses said, come to my door. He says, I'm not coming to the door. The door that he wanted to serve in at one time. To be a Levite must have been a thrill. But I'm not coming to you on behalf of the Levite. I'm coming to you on behalf of another person that we read about tonight. Do you know that parents, and you parents that will know this, yes, you're the leader in the home. And yes, you direct the home. And yes, you're the head of the house. And yes, ladies, you guide the home. But you know what parents do? Young people, do you know what your parents do? They serve you. They serve you. But who serves them? You know what the coach does? He serves you. The coach serves the team. But who serves the coach? You know what politicians do for us? They're to be a public servant to the people. But who serves the politician? Not the news media. They live to find garbage on everybody's life. And I would suggest to you, don't believe much of the news. Who, who serves? You know, here, here what, what do these police men and women do? The police serve us. They are public what? Public servants. Who serves them? Mama serves in that home. It's an amazing thing. A, a mother, how she cooks and cleans and fixes and she uh, cares for the children and uh, she looks out to the well for, well for the family. She decorates and, and she's busy. She works all these things. She, but who serves mama? There's a group of people in this text. They were not priests. They were not Levites. Uh, they did not have the joy of carrying the pins and the pillars and the stuffers and the candlestick. They, they didn't, the Levites did that. There was someone that was below them. And this crowd of people said, our ministry is to the Levites. We are going to wait on the Levites. Would you take your Bible where you right there in the book of, of um, Ezra, and let's back it up to chapter two. Chapter two. Brother Bertram, thank you for reading those names. I'll talk to you afterwards, and some of you really messed up real bad. I don't even know how a man can announce all those names. Why don't they have names like George and Sam and Pete? But they don't. Verse number 40 of chapter two. The Levites. The Levites, and then they begin to explain the Levites and the porters. But verse 33, the Nethanims, the Nethanims, the Nethanims, 
the Nethanims. That's a hard word to say. The what? The what? Nethanims. The Nethanims. Tonight, would you look in verse number 58? And the Nethanims. Who are they? And the what? The Nethanims. And verse 70. So the priests and the Levites and some of the people and the singers and the porters and the, and the say it together, the what? Nethanims. You know, sometimes the, the, uh, the Levites were permitted to sing and be the singers, but not the Nethanims. Notice, with, if you will, go to chapter 7. In chapter 7, in chapter 7, verse 7, and there went up some of the children of Israel and of the priests and the porters and the what? Nethanims. There they are again. Look at verse 24. And the Bible says, and also we certify you that touching any of the priests and the Levites, the singers, the porters, the Nethanims. There it is again. Now, Nethanims. Look at chapter number eight. Will you get there to our text? Chapter eight. The Nethanims. Verse number 17. The Bible says, and to the brethren, verse 17, the Nethanims. And verse 20, and the Nethanims. You know, Nethanims are what deacons are to a pastor. The pastor's been called of God to serve the people of God. But the deacons serve the pastor. And do you know today that the people should serve the politician? I'll prove it in a moment. The residents should serve the policeman. This week, if God blesses you at a place where a police officer is buying a cup of coffee, pay for it. That's a privilege. And thank them. They can take up to $10. They cannot take cash. But in line, you can pay for their coffee and their donut because policemen like donuts. You know, the parents, the parents should be served by the children, yes, but parents should serve the teachers. Every, every parent should have a note to the Sunday school teacher, a Valentine card this Sunday, and say, thank you for teaching my son Thank you for teaching my daughter because the parent is going to become the Nethaman to the teacher. When you pick up your children at the nursery, never just pick them up. Always to the nursery worker, say thank you. You are such a blessing to my life, to our family, to this church. You're encouraging the Levi. You're encouraging the nursery worker. Life is not all about you. We live in a you, a me society. My kids aren't happy. Well, 
I wanna say shut your mouth, but that sounds rude, and get on with life. We, we go through, and I don't think it happens here, the college, we go through a dining hall, so I don't like that food. Why don't you instead say to the Levi's that are serving you the food, thank you very much. I love sauerkraut and beets. You gotta be kidding me. Exception right there. You know, the, the bus worker, the Levi, should take care of the bus driver. Life is not all about our people taking care of me for the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to, he came to serve. Our lives as we leave here in a few moments should be a life this week of service. That's why we sweep our neighbor's sidewalk. That's why we pick up trash that's in our area, maybe our neighbor's house or maybe the garbage people dumped it and some left behind. Don't leave it for them. The goal is not to be served, but the goal is to serve. The ball player is the Nethaman to the coach. The children are the Nethamans to the parents. The student is the Nethaman to the teacher. Stop giving your teacher a hard time. And I say, well, prove this. You're just reading Nethaman. I'm glad you said that. Chapter 8 and verse 20 describes the Nethamans. Also the Nethamans, whom David and the princes had appointed. Also the Nethamans, whom David and the princes had appointed. Are you ready? Could you read it to the word Levi's when we finish the word Levi's? Ready? For the service of the Levi's. Who did the Nethamans serve? Who did the Nethamans serve? But what were the Levites? They carried poles. They carried bars and pins and, and what looked like blankets and canvas and badger skins. They carried things. They, they were not pronounced. They didn't even have any possession of land. They just worked around the house of God. But God says, I'm going to give you some nethamins, and they're going to serve you. For your labor's not in vain. Tonight I come to you on behalf of serving the servant. Serving the servant. I wonder this. How many of you have, and you're living with a living mother? A living mother. Could you raise your hand? It's amazing how few, but there are also there are many. But in comparison to what there should be, maybe mothers passed away, maybe mothers living somewhere else, and maybe you're on your own now. I know that. But these that just raise their hand. You're so blessed. There's something about mother. There's something about having a mother. Penny, I see you there, Bridgman. You're a mother and dad. 
We're such sweet people, you know that. Her dad, big, tall, giant, white-haired, beautiful hair, strong-looking man. He'd, he'd shake my hand. I felt like such a little boy, and here I'm <laughs> Mr. Atlas. <laughs> and you remember when he was in the choir? Sometimes we sang that song just to watch him because choir members should just act dignified, but not Ed. I'll fly away, oh glory. I'll fly away. The first time I thought, what are you doing? He started flying away. I wish I could watch him fly away, and then God took him. He's laid to rest out here. And then your mom lived in this. She wanted to be independent. You just were there every day caring for her, watching care. And then God took her. I remember stopping by and visiting her. You had a good mother. And you know you did. You know, Penny has no regrets. Some of you might just be giving your mom a bad time. Your mother waits on you, hand and foot. I know we have chores and responsibilities and we help, but no one works harder in the home than your mother. Nobody. We eat together. It's just the two of us now. But every night of my life, we have a home-cooked meal. Oh, once in a while I take her, we like this French restaurant over there, Jacques in the box. <laughs> I don't think we've ever had Jacques in the box. I don't think we've ever eaten there. We do shop at that French merchandise store, Jacques Penet, but, uh, but they're going out of business. You know, I, I come home and I'm tired. I didn't have a relaxing day like my wife did at work. And she works all day as I work. And she gets home about an hour before me. And there it is. We come in and Alvin Martinez is singing at us, yelling away. I'm going to get rid of that CD and I'm just going to make my own CD. I think it would be a lot better. <laughs> or we have something going on from the, you know, KMBC would be a good thing, right, all the time. And I'll smell the food. And then our table's all set. And, and all the food is there, and it's so beautiful looking the way it's arranged. And the candle's lit. And we have prayer. And I didn't make a thing. Glory to God. You know, maybe we ought to serve the servant. If you... Girls and even boys are old enough in the house. Mama shouldn't have to do the dishes every night. We about fight over it because just the two of us, it's two forks, two knives, two spoons, two cups, two plates, bread plate. That's about it. And, and we fight. I love washing the dishes. 
No, we'll wash them and then put them in the dishwasher. I can't figure why we do that. I mean, I have spotless clean. And she says, you know, get out of the kitchen. I said, no, I'm, I'm, this is my area, thank you. And I wash the dishes where I learned that. Terry Raisley taught me. I wear my little apron. I don't wear, he wears his apron. I'm not wearing an apron. I saw that little eyelet one that you had, that little pink one trimmed in lavender. Oh, it's so precious. But I'm telling you, they're selling for his bucket afterwards tonight. He teaches homemaking now in the school, so it's going to be awesome. But, you know, it's just, um, you know, that's where John got his, that's where you got your apron. Your dad gave it to you. But, but you know, that's where Bill Shilton, you showed up at the soul when he minute of that apron on yesterday. Would someone help him, please? Wayne, he's your project from here on out. Straighten the guy out. Oh, sorry to wake you up, Bill. Um, <laughs> wait a minute. Why can't we push the vacuum? Why can't we, why can't we put our things away? Why can't we wash the dishes? Why can't, I'm talking about the, the mother literally is the Levite. She's lifting, she's moving, she's fixing, she's repairing, she's setting up, she's taking down. Why can't we get a Nethelman in the home to serve the servant? And all I'm saying tonight is I'd like you to leave here tonight in just a few moments now. So I'm going to be a Nethelman to someone who's already serving. I, I'm going to do everything I can to help Brother David Russ, let me ask you a question, our youth pastor. I was thinking about you this week. Who do you serve? Do you serve the parents? Do you say serve these teenagers? You sure do. He labors for them. And it's just not youth conference. It's just not a campaign. It's just not an activity. It's just not a Christmas tree lot. It's just not a Christmas party. It's, it's not just simply graduation, on and on it goes. Uh, the man and his wife, they serve your kids. They serve your kids. May it not be the only time you talk to the youth pastor and his wife is to complain. They're serving your kids. Zip the complaint and serve them. A note, a gratitude, a small gift card if you have that ability. Because he's a servant to your kids. He is trying to help you. He's not trying to steal their hearts. He's not trying to take them from you. He's trying to drive them back to your parents. I've heard him in preaching. Young people, listen, show respect to your parents. That's a pretty good deal. He's enforcing what you're trying to do. The principle serves. We have an unwritten rule. Mrs. Trevor started years ago when she was principal, and he has caught on to this. He's out there with the kids at recess. He's out there with the kids at lunch. He many times is playing kickball with them. You, you, sort of, you don't govern a school or lead a school 
from behind a desk. You're out with the, the teachers. You're out with the students. And yes, there's work to do behind the desk. I know that. But you're trying to serve those kids. And I've watched them when kids, I, recently I was over there, a little, little girl fell down and, and you brought her and you, you took her to the, the secretary at the school and she cared for her. He's serving your kids. And what's the most we do? I tell you what, I want to have an appointment. I've got to come down there and talk to you about the school. Why is it? Why don't you be a nothing man? And instead of finding the bad, why don't you find all the good? I'm hesitant to say this. Have you ever had the thought that maybe I'll just chuck this whole thing? And I know you have. Because sometimes it feels like you're running Brother Fanera's daycare for the parents. Could you be like those two men that came along, Moses, and lifted his arms? When the servant of the Lord, Moses' hands were so tired, they began to drift and some Nethermans came and said, let me raise them. Someone after years and years and years wrote me a critical note. I don't save critical notes. But I went to their file because I use the file for weddings and funerals when someone dies. And I pulled the file out and the name was there for the couple. And after decades of pastoring them, they had never written one note, but now this one, a negative one. I had a hard time with that in my office. I'd been at every surgery for that family. I'd been at every sorrow for that family. I could tell you the sorrows and the heartaches I went with that family. I was on their call. My wife made meals for those fam that family. We were there for that family. And in the file, one note. I shredded it. I said, I don't want to leave that one in there for them. And then they left. God wants you to be a Nethaman. When was the last time you ever told your wife she's doing a great job? I'm so glad God didn't make me a woman. I do not want to be a woman. I like being a man. It's easier. When's the last time are, are, are you're the one that always has to tell your wife how to change and fix and repair and how to cook better? Hey, I'll tell you what, if I came home and said, Dad, what, this, this dinner? She said, good, you're up tomorrow night. I'm not talking about women being boisterous and mean. Why don't you stop rolling over and being a doormat? And I'm not trying to empower you to say, okay, brother jerk, I'm in charge here now. But if you're the Nethaman, choir leader, this old boy right here works a secular job. I love watching him. Choir, he's leading the singers, the Levi's. But I wonder 
who there is being the Nethaman to him. You're doing a good job. I was a choir leader for years, and I tell you what, there was always some crankcase. Now, what are we doing on this? We're not getting it. Well, why don't you quit? The, no, 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 no. I just, and sometimes you think, come on. Your poor husband has to live with that. Your poor wife has to live with that. You've got to be kidding me. It's always a problem. Always a problem. Well, I don't, I, don't, I don't like the way things are going around here. Well, then be another man. And find someone you can lift their arms. We had eight new deacons you voted in last week. Uh, don't you think they're a little inexperienced? Don't you think they're a little young? Well, you voted for them. Now lift their arms and say, I'm so proud of you and your wife. My wife and I will begin to pray for you every day. Well, I tell you, they're my under shepherd. They're not checking on me what I need to. But won't you be a Nethaman and say, let me do for them what they need to have done for them. I think I've said enough tonight. I just believe that parents ought to train children, but parents also all say there's a sick, I'm, I'm the leader, but there's, I'm also a nethamen to these kids. I'm going to serve them with a joy. They're teething. I'm tired but I'll get out of bed and with joy in my heart hold that child and comfort that child and cool that child because in just a few short years they're going to be gone. I love the stage we're at right now. I just love the two of us. I love it. I love it. I think my wife could say she loves it. She should. Can you imagine just the joy for her to be with me all the time? But there are times I know she has it and I haven't. And we think about all the time, I miss our kids. And I miss our grandkids, those that are moving away and those that are here. I'd like to be with them all the time. But that day where our kids were in our home and Tiffany is gone and for 20 years now almost, February, and Tim is gone, We've kept the obedient one here that needs the most help. I think all our kids are this way. I think they drop everything to help us. But we have one left. And I don't mean this irreverent. She reverence the place where my wife treads. Mama's still the leader, but I think she'd drop anything to help her mom. And I think she'd drop anything to help her dad. You know what she and her husband do? They're nephilims. So I 
don't get to work with the pastor. But I have my life, I have tried to figure out every pastor I can, young and old. And I've tried to serve them as a Levite, but no, as a Methodist. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.